0: We're glad you're joining us for a new beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast supported by Harvest Partners. Get more encouraging audio content when you subscribe to Pastor Greg's Daily Devos. Learn more and sign up at Harvest.org.
1: It's been said when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free yourself. But to withhold forgiveness will eat you up inside. Forgiveness
0: isn't letting someone off the hook who doesn't deserve it. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out it's really more of a pathway to peace for ourselves.
1: You think you're hurting them by harboring a grudge against them? You know who's getting hurt? You! If you want to live a happy, healthy, and blessed life, learn how to forgive. This is the
0: Lord's Prayer, we say the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Thomas Fuller once wrote, he that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself, for every man has need to be forgiven. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to the life of Joseph, an outstanding biblical example of forgiveness and what fruit can come of that selfless action. We're studying the Bible's great heroes.
1: We're in Genesis chapter 41. The title of the message is The Teenager Who Changed the World. In the story of Joseph, we discover how we can overcome envy, how we can face adversity, how we can resist sexual temptation and have faith in the promises of God. But the most significant takeaway, I think, in the life of Joseph is how to forgive those who have horribly wronged you. And all that he went through, he was able to say to his brothers who betrayed him, and we'll get to that in a moment, it was not you who sent me here, but God. If Joseph were to have a life verse, this verse hadn't been written when he was alive, because this is the book of Genesis, but if he had a life verse, it would have surely been Romans 8.28. Which says, so we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So let's let's start with him as a kid. He was favored by his father. His dad doted on him. Even giving him a special coat. Now maybe you've heard it called the coat of many colors. Uh, That's a King James translation. Actually what it was was sort of a long sleeve tunic. Uh, something that you would wear maybe to a wonderful event while well, his brothers probably had outfits and cut off sleeves or working in the hot sun and, and old Joseph would show up in his super cool coat and kind of walk around him looking at them and they were very envious. Why doesn't he have to work out here like the rest of us? And then to make matters worse, he rats out his brothers. He goes home and tells on them to his dad and they're resenting him more and more every day. So much so they think, Let's just kill him. Wow, really, yes. They decided they wanted to kill their young brother. And uh, and they were about to do it, but they changed their mind when a group of Midianite slave traders were traveling by and they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. So now he's purchased by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a very powerful man. But Potiphar had a really psycho wife. And so she looked at this very handsome, muscular young man. And she was far from subtle. She just basically said, why don't you have sex with me right now? And he was like, no way. He ran from her, which was the right thing to do. Because he was a godly young man. And what does she do? She falsely accuses him of rape. And Potiphar sends him to prison. By the way, I think Potiphar knew Joseph was innocent, but he had to live with this psycho cougar chick, so he went along with it. <laughs> so that brings us to the next stage of Joseph's life as he is in prison. He could have felt like God had forgotten him. But the Bible gives us one very important detail. Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one. it says, The Lord was with Joseph. Meanwhile, over in Egypt... And the court of the Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, had a very unusual dream. Pharaoh dreamt that he was standing by the Nile River. And out of the river came seven healthy fat cows gazing among the reeds. And after that came seven other cows who were ugly and gaunt. And they ate up the seven healthy cows. And he woke up in a panic. What does this dream mean? So he calls in all of his magicians and people that are supposed to interpret dreams for him and nobody was able to interpret it. Genesis 41 verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. He was brought hastily from the dungeon. After a quick shave and a change of clothes he went in and stood in Pharaoh's presence. I had a dream last night, Pharaoh told him. And none of these men can tell me what it means, but I heard that you can interpret dreams, and that's why I've called for you. Joseph boldly responds, Genesis 41, 16. It is beyond my power to do this, but God will tell you what it means, and he will set you at ease. Wow, he was bold, wasn't he? He's gonna tell the Pharaoh now what this dream is all about. Not only tell him the meaning of the dream, he's gonna tell him the dream. He says, okay, Pharaoh, this is what's going on. Those those seven cows that are ugly and gaunt eating the other cows, here's what it means. You're gonna have a time of famine. You're not gonna have enough food for your kingdom. So you need to start setting food aside now for when the famine comes. And if you do this, you'll have enough food to get you through the hard times. And you need to put someone over the food supply. As you're starting to put it together, all the magicians are saying, me, me, me. And the Pharaoh says, I want you, son. And all of a sudden, Joseph, who was just the night before in a dungeon, is now the second most powerful man in the world ruling over the food supply of Egypt. Unbelievable turn of events. So Joseph gets married. He has two sons. One he named is Manasseh. The other, Ephraim. The meaning of their names are revealing. Manasseh means God has made me forget all of my hardship. And Ephraim means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So that sums up his life perfectly. He was not controlled by hate and bitterness. He was able to forgive his brothers and forgive Potiphar and forgive Potiphar's wife. And if the story ended here, it would have been an amazing one. But instead it culminates with one of the most amazing demonstrations of forgiveness ever extended. So fast forward many years. Time has passed. Joseph looks like a completely different guy. And and what happened was the famine came, just as Joseph predicted. And so meanwhile, back home with the family, they're all hungry. And they hear that Back in Egypt or over in Egypt, they have a lot of food. So the family of Joseph goes to get food from him and they show up in his court and he looks at them and recognizes his brothers. But they don't recognize him. So he starts peppering them with questions about what's going on and asks questions that only a brother would know. And then this amazing scene unfolds, Genesis 45. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, starting in verse one. Joseph couldn't stand it any longer. Out, all of you, he cries to the attendants. He wanted to be alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept aloud, and his sobs could be heard throughout the palace, and the news was quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. And then Joseph said, I am Joseph. They were stunned to realize Joseph was standing there in front of them. Come over here, he said. They came closer and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me, for God did it. Underline that. Don't be angry with yourselves for what you did to me, for God did it. And sent me here ahead to preserve your lives. Stop there. What gave Joseph the grace to make a statement like that? If you're taking notes, here's point number one. Joseph knew that God is sovereign. Joseph knew that God is sovereign. What does that mean? To say that God is sovereign means that he is in control and he does not make mistakes. To say that God is sovereign is saying nothing comes into the life of a Christian. It has not been first approved by God. Again the names that Joseph gave to his own boys say it all. He had really put his past behind him and he knew God was always in control even in the hard times. Listen God is sovereign in your life right now as well. Something's happening to you that is not making sense. It, the Lord has closed the door and you thought he should have left it open. But uh God is in control and Joseph knew that. and You need to know that and I need to know that. Number two, Joseph knew that God is good. So he knew God is sovereign but he also knew that God is good. Therefore the things that come into my life by God's sovereignty are ultimately for my benefit and for others. It's for my benefit and for others. Again, as Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. Because Joseph loved God, no matter what came his way, no matter how wicked its origin, God would turn it around for good. Back to Romans 8, 28. It does not say that God makes bad things good. But what it does say is God brings good things despite the bad. For we know that all things work together for good to those that love God. Notice it does not say we know that some things work together for good. Or we know that all only the happy things work together for good. No, it says we know that all things work together for good to those who love God.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. We love to hear stories of how lives have been changed through the teaching of God's Word, like this one.
1: I bought Greg Laurie's New Believer's Bible last year, but I couldn't commit to something I didn't understand. After reading it, I accepted Jesus less than a month later, and my whole life is changing. I then saw the movie Jesus Revolution and didn't realize until the end of the movie that the story was about Pastor Greg, the one who helped me become a Christian. Thank you.
0: We're so grateful to hear of the changed lives through Harvest Ministries. And if you have a story to tell, I hope you'll contact us today. Call 1 866
1: 871 1144. That's a special number, 866 871 1144. Well,
0: today, Pastor Greg is presenting a message called The Teenager Who Changed the World. A look at an outstanding example of forgiveness in the life of Joseph. Let's continue.
1: The final thing and the most important thing that stands out in this story is his forgiveness. Forgiving. You know, C.S. Lewis said, this paraphrase, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive, right? Oh, yes, I'm all for forgiveness. Forgive me. I know I've hurt you, forgive me, but then when, what about when it's time for you to forgive someone that has hurt you? A study on forgiveness found that 75% of those who were surveyed uh, believed that God forgave them for past sins, but of those who were polled, only 52% said they had forgiven others. Hmm. Houston, we have a problem. What did Jesus teach us in the Lord's Prayer? He said, after this manner, therefore you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as what? As we forgive those who have sinned against us or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Listen, forgiven people should be Forgiving people. Listen to this. If you want to live a happy, healthy, and blessed life, learn how to forgive. Why? Because life is filled with hurt and disappointments. Isn't it? And as you get older, you'll see this. For yourself, we've all been hurt in life. And sometimes we don't mean to do it, but we hurt others in life. And that is why I must forgive others. Now someone has hurt you. You may regard them as an enemy. You know, you bristle when you think about them. Listen, you are commanded to forgive them. Uh, Forgiveness is not simply suggested in Scripture. It is commanded in Scripture. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with one another, forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, as Christ forgave you, even so you must do. You might say, I can never forgive that person. In fact, when I see that person, they make me cringe. Well, maybe that's a problem. You're seeing too much of the wrong person. Try shifting your glance away from the one who hurt you and set your eyes on the one who saved you. Let me say that again. And before I say it again, let me give credit where credit is due. This is a statement from my friend Max Lucado. And I quote again. Try shifting your glance away from the one who hurt you and set your eyes on the one who saved you. Very good statement. Put your eyes on the one who, hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But what does it mean to forgive? Because I know we'll think, well I, I can't forgive and forget. Listen to this, forgiveness is not condoning or dismissing someone's bad behavior. Let me say this again, forgiveness is not condoning or dismissing someone's bad behavior. It's not even reconciliation always because that's not always possible. For to give means I'm surrendering my right to get even. It means I'm not gonna pay that person back though they may deserve payback big time. I'm actually gonna put them in the hands of God because Romans twelve nineteen says, never take vengeance into your own hands, my dear friends. Stand back and let God punish if he will for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If you don't forgive, you're choosing to hate. You know, it's interesting. The Bible gives 76 different word pictures for forgiveness. But the main word that is used in the New Testament for forgiving means to release, to release. To release yourself from something. Forgiveness is writing canceled over a debt in Scripture. Canceled, this is, I'm canceling this debt. I'm not gonna be held by constraint of this any longer. And listen, if you're married, you're gonna really need to learn how to forgive. Ruth Graham, married to Billy Graham, was once asked what the secret of a strong and lasting marriage was. And she said, a successful marriage is made up of two good forgivers. You have to learn how to be a forgiver. It's been said when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free yourself. But to withhold forgiveness will eat you up inside. Studies have been done. I just read one today from Harvard that determined that if you want to be a happy person, number one, winning the lottery will not make you happy. But they said, if you want to be happy, forgive others. They found there's a direct connection between forgiveness of others and personal happiness. Listen, forgiveness isn't giving in to another person. It's getting free of that person. Well, they don't deserve it. It's not about deserving. I'm talking about you right now. You think you're hurting them by harboring a grudge against them? You know who's getting hurt? You. You know, it's like um it's like taking rat poison and eating it and waiting for the rat to die. Rat's not going to die. You're going to die. And so when I harbor anger and bitterness toward a person, even if they've hurt me, the person I'm destroying is not that person, it's me, actually. So you must forgive. One person put it this way. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. The first to forget is the happiest. I like that. Joseph changed the world. Because his world was changed first. And I wonder if I'm talking to somebody that's bound up in bitterness right now and you haven't been able to forgive. You need to. I think the more you know about God's willingness to forgive you, the more you'll be willing to extend that same forgiveness to others. Heard about a Sunday school teacher who asked her class about forgiveness. She said, kids, what does a person need to do to receive forgiveness from God? It was a short pause, and a small boy spoke up and said, you have to sin. That's not the answer she was looking for. I think she was hoping someone would say, well, you have to repent and be sorry for it. Well, yeah, you have to sin. So we've all done that, haven't we? And so if we've sinned, we need forgiveness. And the good news is God promises in 1 John 1, 9, if we will confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me close with this. Joseph, such an amazing guy. You know there's not a one negative thing said about him in all of those chapters in Genesis. And the Bible, you know, will show us the flaws of of the people God used. There's plenty of critical things said about uh, Abraham and even Moses and and uh, Jacob, uh, the father of Joseph, and, and many others. But there's nothing critical said about this young man. I, I'm not saying he didn't sin, but I'm just saying that he lived a pretty amazing life. And it's interesting to sort of compare Joseph to Jesus. Joseph was sold by his brothers for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples for 30 pieces of silver, Joseph was thought dead, but he was alive. Jesus, laid in the tomb, thought dead, rose again from the dead. Joseph forgave those who betrayed him. Jesus did the same. Coming back to that statement on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who was he talking about? He's talking about that Roman soldier who pounded the spikes into his hands and feet. He was talking about that religious leader that played a role in sending him to the court of Caiaphas and ultimately to the cross. He was talking about all those people that were culpable and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And you know what? It was that statement that woke up a hardened criminal because as Jesus hung on the cross he He saw all of those people uh, gathered before him, and he was in great anguish. But then he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and immediately that thief who was next to him, probably not a thief at all, but a hardened criminal, probably a terrorist, a murderer, because the Romans did not crucify thieves, but they did crucify insurrectionists, and that 's probably what that man was. He says to Jesus." Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. See, initially he joined the crowd of mocking Jesus, saying, hey, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he's the son of God, then Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that guy believes because people are moved by forgiveness. It's powerful. And it can happen for you right here. But before we Give you that opportunity to be forgiven by God, I would ask you, is there someone you need to forgive at this very moment? It might be a mom. It might be a dad. It might be a child. Your child. It might be a friend, a coworker, it might be your husband. It might be your wife. Someone has hurt you. Someone has betrayed you. And you sit around and plot on how you're going to get them. And that has to stop. You need to lay it at the foot of the cross and put them in the hands of God. And as I said earlier, when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free yourself. Don't you want to be free? You don't want to be bound up by that anymore. Just let it go. Let it go and put it in God's hands. But let's start with you and the Lord. Maybe there's someone here that could not say with confidence, I know God has forgiven me. There might be a sin separating you from the Lord. And you need to admit that sin is there and you need to turn from that sin and ask for his forgiveness and he'll give it to you because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. So if you need that forgiveness, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray and ask God for it as we all pray together. Let's all bow our heads and everyone praying, please. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to die in our place. And thank you so much for the offer of forgiveness that is extended right here, right now to any person who will call out to you. Let this be the moment they believe. Let this be the moment they give their life to you. Let this be the moment where they are forgiven of all of their sins and they enter into this relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer with those who want to make a change today in their relationship with the Lord. And if you'd like to do that, Pastor Greg will come back in a moment to help you before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes. Well, the new movie, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, is now out on DVD. And it's thoroughly entertaining and interesting to watch. But it's more than that. Uh, Pastor Greg, it could be used as a real spiritual tool. Uh, This could help people reach their friends for the Lord, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, and I want you to know, (laughs) we don't offer cheesy Christian films at harvest, okay? If we're going to send you a film, it's going to be good, and I think you know that. You've seen the films we've done in the past, Dave McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, A Rush of Hope, most recently, Jesus Revolution. This documentary is first-rate high quality, beautiful cinematography, uh, some amazing people that joined us to be a part of it and wanted to talk about Johnny Cash, Cheryl Crow, Tim McGraw, Winona Judd, Marty Stewart, members of Johnny's family as well. But the reason we made this film was to tell a spiritual story. There are other documentaries out on the life of Cash that are quite good, but none of them do what this film does. We do talk about his musical career and his life and so forth, It's a very honest film, very straightforward, but we talk about how God gave Johnny second chances. That's what the title of it is, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. This is a film that offers hope. Do you know someone that needs to be redeemed? Do you know someone that needs a second chance? Maybe you're that person. This would be a great tool that you can watch and find inspiration or share with someone else that needs this hope. So we want to send you this special edition of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon on DVD that, yes, has a streaming code, but it also has bonus content, including a presentation of the gospel that I did. So after you watch the documentary film You could watch this little presentation of the gospel complete with a prayer for someone to accept Christ. You could have a watch party in your home and see people come to Jesus Christ. This film is done by the same team that brought you Jesus Revolution, the Kingdom Story Company. So let us send you now your copy of Johnny Cash or Redemption of an American Icon on DVD for your gift of any size. Now, let me explain. Uh, We want you to be extra generous as you send that gift so we can continue to preach the gospel and teach the Word of God through our radio broadcast, uh, A New Beginning, but also so you can invest in the kingdom of God because you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven when you invest in a ministry like ours. So get your copy of this great, resource. Here's Dave to tell you more.
0: Yeah, it's a film you're really going to love and we'll send it your way just as soon as we hear from you. Thanks for your partnership with us in bringing these studies each day. And to thank you tangibly, we'll send you Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Just call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's a 24/7 phone number, one 800 or just go online to harvest org. Well, Pastor Greg, a few moments ago, you spoke of the need to get our hearts right with God. Right? Uh, could you help someone who wants to do that right now?
1: Yes, I'd be delighted to. Listen, as you've listened to this program today, maybe something's been happening inside of your heart where you're sensing, I need to do this personally, but how do I do it and what do I do? Let me help you. It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple you may be shocked. God, this relationship with Him is just a prayer away. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you do just that. You call on the name of the Lord. This can be the moment where you change your eternal address literally from hell to heaven. Just pray these words Lord Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen. I know. It's such a simple, short prayer, but you just called on the name of the Lord. And you know what? He heard that prayer. And if you meant that prayer in your heart, he answered that prayer. Now, let me help you to get started on the right foot in your new life in Jesus Christ. The greatest adventure awaits you, the life of walking with God. I want to send you what we call a New Believers Growth Pack that includes the New Believers Bible and a whole lot more. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that free New Believers Growth
0: Pack... Just ask for it if you prayed along with Pastor Greg to receive Christ today. We'll be glad to send one your way. Call us at 1-800-821-3300. Call any time. Again, 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org and click No
1: God. Hey, everybody. Greg Laurie here. And I want to personally invite you to the Harvest Ministries Israel Tour. April 9 to 19, 2024. Listen, this is your chance to walk in the steps of Jesus, literally, in what we call the Holy Land. Learn more at israel.harvest.org. Shalom.
0: Well, next time, more insight from Pastor Greg's series on biblical heroes. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie.